Mag here and welcome to Tarot Tuesday. Today we're going to be taking a look at the High Priestess. If you'd like to join me in doing this, please feel free to pull out your own tarot deck and select the High Priestess card. It is going to be the third card in the Fool's Journey, but it is often seen as the second card. It's going to be denoted by the Roman numeral or Arabic numeral 2. The High Priestess comes after the Magician, and the Magician, keep in mind, that's where our tools are coming together. So the High Priestess, being the next step in the Fool's Journey, is being aware of what exists beyond the tools. It can mean learning how to use the tools, while the tools represent a very practical and almost kinetic gathering of our resources. The High Priestess represents that wisdom. The High Priestess is often depicted setting between pillar in the case of the everyday witch tarot. She's sat between two pillar candles. One is black, one is white. That is to represent the forever dichotomy of, of light and dark, good and bad, positive and negative. And the high priestess setting between is telling us that we need to learn to walk in between. The high priestess guides us into being able to view things in shades of gray. The high priestess represents deep wisdom. When she shows up in a reading, she can represent somebody that would make an excellent mentor or the next step you need to take in your path, which is digging a little deeper into the esoteric, leaning into your intuition more. While it is good to recognize and know when to use the more, I would say, practical tools, the High Priestess is calling you to engage in a, a higher form of thought. The High Priestess is telling you that there is still a veil between yourself and a deeper wisdom, and she is welcoming you to, to view what is beyond that veil. But in the welcoming, she wants you to become like her. She is urging you to work on gathering that knowledge, developing that wisdom, so that you can fully appreciate what is going to be revealed to you. If you introduce a young child to incredibly complicated mathematics, chances are they are going to be profoundly confused. However, as you are teaching the child math, they are going to start seeing more and more connections as you introduce them to more and more complicated formulas. And right now we're speaking of a more concrete type of intelligence, but wisdom operates in very much the same way. The more wisdom you gain, the more wisdom you are capable of at least beginning that scaffolding process of understanding. And that is what the High Priestess welcomes you to do. The High Priestess is welcoming you to something that is a more untethered form of wisdom. In the Everyday Witch's Tarot, if you take a look, she has multiple forms of divination sat in front of her, and behind her are stacks of books. And I feel like this is an excellent representation of what the High Priest means for me when she appears in a reading. All of those books, we can assume that she still turns to them for reference. We can assume that she has put in the time reading all of those, building her knowledge, learning and acquiring that wisdom, but recognizing that it still has value. Going back to the source material for a refresher every now and then is a wise thing to do. There is no shame in recognizing when you need to return back 
to something foundational. So while she has that written knowledge, that wisdom at her back as a foundation before her are divination tools. You see a crystal ball for scrying. You see a, some cards. You see some runes. And that is the more complicated and intuitive based means of which we acquire knowledge and we acquire wisdom. And it requires that strong foundation and even like self-assurance to then lean in and delve into divination and intuition. It requires opening yourself up to something that in the mundane world and the day-to-day would be seen as ridiculous, but she's doing it confidently. And she is, again, sat between that white candle and that black candle. Both give light. Both are illuminating. And they create a sort of portal and we can swerve into looking at a more traditional depiction in the um, Rider-Waite tarot where the high priestess is holding a scroll Oftentimes you'll say like Torah on it, for example, and it represents old wisdom, conventional wisdom. She is, again, sat between a black and white pillar and behind her you still see what is a veil. And on it is um, fruit depicted. I've always seen that as pomegranate. And pomegranates are, they have a uh, connection with, if you're familiar with the story of Hades and Persephone of the underworld, that concept of forbidden fruit was not always seen as an apple. Um, in some iterations, it was said to be a pomegranate and pomegranates are a representation of that deeper wisdom for a few reasons. One of them being that you must open it carefully so as not to break the seeds and, and lose, lose out on the goodness that is those seeds. And those seeds are couched pod-like amongst the pith. So you must open it carefully. You must carefully extract the seeds. You must do it patiently. But then that patience pays off when you have a bowl full of these gorgeous, jewel-toned, sweet seeds that you can then eat and enjoy. And that's an excellent representation of the process of gaining wisdom. And it is still... It is a veil. It is a shroud. She stands in front of it, or in this case, she sits in front of that veil. But she is not blocking your path. She is merely there almost as like as someone to greet you. And she will move aside and let you peer beyond, just like the witch setting in the everyday witch tarot. She sits there. You see these heavy drapes that are behind her um, and further back and behind the books. She's not blocking you. You are welcome to peer behind, but she is offering you wisdom before you take that look. So these are the messages of the high priestess. It is that need to be aware of a teachable opportunity, but it's not going to be your typical practicum. It is not going to be your basic herb craft. It is going to be delving into those deeper mysteries, into the esoteric, and pulling up from that wisdom that is going to enrich your life for better or for worse. Because again, keep in mind, we're talking about that that uh, 
that black and white, good and evil, um, positive and negative, learning to see those things in shades of gray, sometimes wisdom comes at a cost. I mean, and not even sometimes, it always comes at a cost. Sometimes the cost is merely having your preconceived notions of a situation shaken up. And that can be uncomfortable. All growth comes from a change from a stressor. Sometimes the stressor isn't unpleasant, but sometimes it is. We have to keep that dichotomy in mind that positive doesn't always mean good. It just means in addition to. Negative doesn't always mean bad. It means the removal of. When you're working um, healing magic, you can work it through the positive of increasing somebody's white blood cell count, of bringing in a, a good energy, but you can also do the healing through the negative of removing the disease, removing the germs, removing the symptoms. And oftentimes when I'm doing a focus on healing, I'm going the negative route, the negative. I am looking to negate, to remove, to eliminate that which is causing, you know, discomfort. So those are good lessons to keep in mind as we pursue wisdom and as we engage with the high priestess, because the lessons she has for us, they are, they are the old magic. They are the deep wisdoms. They are the things that some people could consider um, a generational wisdom. They were often hard won. <laughs> they, they came about through generations of lessons, generations of spiritual awakening. When this card shows up, it can also speak to an opportunity to engage in communication with ancestors, communication with spirit guides, because we are talking about a type of awareness that has been around far longer than we have that is ready to communicate some of those wisdoms because the path does not always have to be hard. What we perceive as being hard oftentimes are disturbances and obstacles we place in our own way. Knowledge is not as hard to obtain as it once was. It's more freely available we're the ones who make it hard, whether it's through distractions or through getting too, too fixated in the stage of the magician, too obsessed with our tools, wanting a better wand, wanting a cooler looking chalice, trying to find just the right coven. We can get really hung up on the more mundane aspects of the craft or the more, more mundane aspects or the aesthetic of our craft, of our journey. And when we get fixated on that, we lose sight of what is important. We lose sight of taking that next step in the journey. The tools you need are bare minimum. If anything, it is important to realize on your journey that anything can be a tool to you. All you have to do is open your eyes and be aware of it. And the high priestess will help you with that. She will help you to see that at the end of the day, your hand is just as fine a chalice as anything that you could buy gold rod or Waterford crystal. And at the end of the day, your hand is just as fine a pentacle for holding as a china plate. 
she's there to teach you to look deeper into things, not to just accept what is on the surface or not to get too fixated on the more mundane aspects. I don't like putting hard definitions on most cards. I'm talking about a lot of the intuitive stuff. It can speak to an actual person though. As you are reading the cards, sometimes a card will jump out and you will realize this is somebody in your life or for the querent, this is somebody in your life. This is an individual who is offering this, that, and the other. Now the dangers with the high priestess can be becoming too dogmatic. And that's actually a danger for several of these cards or not several, but there are going to be a couple. Anytime a teaching card comes up and the high priestess represents a teacher for me, anytime a card of with a teaching energy shows up, there's always the danger of becoming too dogmatic, becoming too obsessed, becoming too buried in your crystal ball to look around or to reference your books every now and then to touch base with reality. Because remember, we still have to have that balance. Even she should be aware of the need for balance, but we are always recalibrating. We are always making those minute adjustments in our lives in order to better perceive and respond to situations. So if she gets too caught up in her cards, too caught up in her scrolls, too caught up in reading runes, she might miss a bigger picture. She might miss a more important question that she should be asking, or she may fail to engage in the world in a way that's going to help her understand what wisdom needs to be gained. Not all wisdom is equal. And some wisdom, while it was wisdom for a specific period of time, is no longer valid because society changes, because our awareness changes, because what once governed us and was good practical knowledge can be more or less rendered obsolete due to technological advances, due to a restructuring of family dynamics. Many things can happen. Be aware of when wisdom becomes obsolete. That's another important part of the priestess and the high priestess sometimes can lose sight of that. So be aware if you draw this card and depending on what other cards are around it, oftentimes if I see too many swords, I start looking and saying, hmm, are we getting too hung up? Are we getting too obsessed with all the rules that we are quote, quote, supposed to follow that govern our craft? Because that's, that is a pitfall I see oftentimes when it is in reference to the craft. People get too hung up on the rules to the point where they never even go out and, you know, get a deck because somebody has to gift it to them. They never use the deck because they're afraid because what if they haven't cleansed properly? So many rules that can start to govern us to the point where we are at a standstill. And you don't want to fall into that trap. And it's a trap that is very sneaky. It creeps up on you. I fall into this all the time. I will hesitate to do things I need to do until I've got it perfect. And the high priestess can fall into this trap. So be aware of that. Be aware of all of the benefits that she brings but also of maybe some bad habits that she could be reminding you of. If you are too obsessed with looking behind the veil all the time, you might be running before you're ready to walk. Make sure that you are ready for that next step. It doesn't have to be perfect, but make sure you at least have some foundational awareness of what you're even asking to see. So the high priestess can have a lot of meanings as 
as you can tell just by listening to me talk about based on two different cards just derived from the artwork and from my experience. Remember that at the end of the day, you, as you are doing this in your own practice, you are going to start developing a deeper and better understanding. And I'm just giving you a light overview for every reading I've done where the priestess has shown up. It is never consistently one thing. There's always slight changes, whether she is showing up with a lot of other major arcana, whether she is showing up with a specific like proliferation of a particular suit. Is, is she a fire heavy priestess? Is she a water heavy priestess? That's going to inform perhaps what wisdom she's speaking to or even a specific situation she is speaking to. So know that where she lands is going to tell you more. This is just a general idea of who she is and what she is about. And I say she a lot because it's used in the feminine, but keep in mind that gender can be wildly subjective. Don't get hung up if you identify as a male and the high priestess falls for you. It's still valid. You know, don't, don't worry. It's okay. That's where you are in the journey. That's who you are. This is a case where gender is fairly subjective. It, she does represent a more feminine energy, but we all have feminine and masculine and a blend of those energies. It goes back to dichotomy, duality. We all have a blend of those things. And the more we work to, to utilize those things in concert with each other, the better balanced we are and the further we can progress down our path. So that is the overview of the high priestess. I hope that it has been very helpful. I'm going to be going through and doing all of the major arcana over the next several, um, weeks. And once I've finished the major arcana, we'll move into the minor arcana and then we'll see where we go after that. That's a lot of Tuesdays worth of recordings to um, get through. So let me know if you have a drastically different interpretation of the high priestess. I would love to hear other perspectives. Does the high priestess show up in your deck and, and or in your spreads and say something completely different than what she typically speaks to when she shows up in my spreads? I would love to hear it. I often am learning new perspectives and new ideas of how to interpret the cards that I incorporate into my own craft. So please feel free to share if you have a, a different view or even if it's similar, just a little different, a little tweak. I would love to hear it. That would be amazing. Oh, and you may notice I have whittled down. I am, I'm down by one deck. I'm no longer using, and I'm going to butcher it now, the New Age Elemental deck. That deck would fight me a lot when I would try to do readings. It just, it just didn't want to, to, for us to work together. And so I honored that. I gifted it to somebody else. And that's something that comes up sometimes when you get a deck. Sometimes it just, you like it because of the art. You like it because of some of the concepts, but for whatever reason, it is a, almost a contentious relationship. And that's okay. That does not mean that there is anything wrong with the deck. And that doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with you. Just honor that it is not a productive working relationship and gift the deck, you know, pass it on to somebody else. Some people like to take time, maybe sleep with the deck under their pillow for a while, different things like that, just to see if that kind of like helps them sync up energy. It just, for me, the deck just said, Hey, 
no hard feelings, but you're not the person I want to work with. And I said, fair enough. And so that was that. So I'm just going to be sticking to this more classic. Um, and I do the, the, writer, wait, wait, writer, tarot, because most people are familiar with those images. And then I like the juxtaposition of the everyday witch tarot, because it rep- it's a good example of the similarity, the sim- similar narrative you see in, in all tarot decks, but different interpretations. That is why I am down one deck uh, from here on out. I will be sticking to these two. If another deck comes into my life that I'm super excited about, I might do a separate just throwing it in every now and then for people to see. But otherwise, I think I'm just going to stick to these two just so we have a compare and contrast opportunity without, I guess I'd say without it becoming like overdone. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Reach out to me if you have any questions. You can find me on Instagram at mad.mags.curios.emporium. You can find me on Facebook. Um, Mad Max Curios Emporium is the name of the page, but also uh, facebook.com slash Mad Mag the Witch. You can listen to this podcast on anchor.fm. If you are listening to it right now, I assume that's how you found it. I am working on getting it on other platforms. I will certainly give an update once that is available. And you can email me any questions at gmail. I am mad.mags.curios.emporium at gmail.com. Thank you so much, everyone. And remember, find your balance. Be your best self and take no shit.